of the podcast. <laughs> so, I read this before I moved to Vegas. And uh, in moving like nearly 2,000 miles, it's in my apartment somewhere. So I didn't really get a refresher. I'm a jerk. I also like made you two wait an hour because I was playing cards with my friends. Like shout out to Ginny, Jennifer, Kim, and Miranda. But uh, except they're not really my friends because Elle's my only friend. Apparently. I am your only friend, damn it. Yes. John's my only fuzzy man bear peach. Seriously, I need a I need to see a barber soon. Yeah, that's a. Do you not grow a mustache? Like, what's up with this? I don't. I'm. I have the skinny little peach fuzz, fourteen year old mustache, and then full lumberjack man beard. No, I'm sorry. You kind of got the like Unix neck beard. That's what. That's what uh, that is. It is impressively thick, though. I. It is a thick hobo beard. Yeah, well, you know, you got to keep your fried chicken somewhere. Uh, so, it's, uh, I also understand L might have some issues because Grand Rapids is getting hit with hell of a storm. Mm. Time will tell. Radar looks impressive, but normally when it gets across the lake, it like putters out. Mm. Was, yeah, it's when I lived in Dallas, um, the heat effect from all the concrete would just like dissolve that stuff. But uh, it rains an average of five inches a year in Vegas. So I'm, uh, yeah, you'll have to tell me what rain is like. Also, uh, our co-star today, aside from me, Vanessa Van Alstein, is uh, my bearded dragon's cricket she didn't eat. So everybody enjoy the cricket sounds that I have no control over. Uh, so, who wants to, to introduce what we read today? Class. Class. Uh, today, we read, I forget who did it. Uh, it's like Eternity some, Comics. Yeah, Eternity, Eternity Comics. Phantom uh, of the Opera. Uh, uh, comic book adaptation of Phantom of the Opera. And yeah. it is delightfully 80s. If, yeah, if it was published in, in 1988, June of 1988. Yeah, see, I feel gonna... like Christine in her little like Harlequin costume for the mass ball, like I feel she looks like very 60s. Right? Yeah. I know. The I don't think that she would have. I know the. She the... wouldn't have been able to wear that in, in the actual 1800s when this supposedly took place. Oh, absolutely. Not a. Not a nice innocent girl, no, because it's just basically like it's just like a skin tight like leotard outfit that's like, you know, with the diamond checkers. I will say I get the feeling this comic at least did the blonde Christine, which is book accurate. This is blonde? I did you get that feeling or it's hard to, it's a know. black and white oh, comic, so brunette yeah, again. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's brunette again. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't tell in some of them. It's like with black and white, it's kind of open for interpretation in some ways. I don't know. Right. I'm always rooting for a blonde Christine, even though I kind of love brunette characters because in the 80s, we did not get represented well. The brunettes of the world. No one's fighting with me. That means I'm right. So, what does somebody want to sum up the story of this one? Elle, do you want to give it a shot? Um, yeah. I think my video froze, but you can still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, so this actually takes place, it starts at what we know as the Masquerade Ball. And it opens with the Red Death uh, breaking someone's wrist. Dick. I thought that was interesting. I know! And then Christine pulls Raul. Um, aside and they have their little conversation. I was, um, I, I definitely got the feeling that on the first page it was a very um, moist day. <laughs> the first page, it's like everything is wet and, and rained on it and more wet and it's drizz drizzly and moist and I'm like, okay, I get it, it's wet. 
And then they get Where, inside like, and I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand the, the emphasis on the moisture level of a rainy day, but whatever. So it opens at the masquerade. The phantom breaks someone's wrist and Christine wishes him uh, Raul away to have the little conversation about, you know, we can have a secret engagement. Uh, Raul doesn't understand, follows her back to what I assume is her dressing room because I'm familiar with other versions of this. And she sings, she get whisk, gets whisked away by the phantom. And then it, it cuts to, uh, so Madame Valeris in this version is Christine's mother, not her like guess, adoptive patron. Mother. Right, so it it cuts to a scene where Raul finds uh, Christine with her mother and says, you know, Christine's in danger and she has the wedding ring on. I'm horrible with summaries. And then <laughs> she says, it's none of your goddamn business. I know. No, the synopsis and the blurb are actually like the bane of my existence. So... <laughs> uh, Let's see what happens next. I've got it in front of me. So then she agrees to have this secret engagement and they flirt and everything's fine until Raul finally gets her to confess what had happened that night uh, that she had been taken out of the lake, um, that he had told her never take my mask off. And she, of course, takes his mask off and he's not very good looking at all. Like he definitely has the, the, macabre look to him that was in the first in the original book so he's got sunken eyes now no lips to speak of very creepy looking very phantom looking which is great but he she gains his trust and she lets him go and that's the end of one of two chapters i guess john do you want to do the second chapter uh yeah the second chapter is mostly the second half of the story where it, including for once we've got the persian i know shit. holy cow what happened someone allowed this to happen although he looks more like kingpin from marvel comics yeah uh, but, he looks a little he looks a little bit like the guy that played gandhi oh uh um, yeah kind of ben if ben kingsley had like a bit like lifted weights yeah, like it a was an old school body. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so one after um Christine gets stolen and is uh with the Phantom, uh Raul and the Persian go down to his lair, and it's a mostly from the book and from the a silent movie, the idea that Christine is being held for ransom and is was must either choose to destroy the entire opera house or marry or marry Eric. And yeah, I think he, we have the scorpion and the grasshopper in this one. With the scorpion and the grasshopper, and then it was an interesting ending. It felt very easy. Like, it felt like it was a very easy way to have a quote-unquote happy ending. Uh, basically, what happens is uh, per, the Raul and the Persian get knocked out and wake up having Christine chosen the scorpion to marry Eric, who then dies. That cuts immediately oh, to yeah, his death. Oh, yeah, he has a terminal disease, right? It's like, you got, I got two weeks. Exactly, and then he gets he, he gets written up in the paper. Raul, uh, uh, Eric is dead. Yeah, that's you from the be, book. It would be really oh, like hilarious oh. if it was like some kind of necrotic skin condition. It's like, yeah, I've only been ugly for like three months. Yes, <laughs> but I'm bitter about it. So, <laughs> yeah, in this one, uh, it doesn't really go. There's not a lot of character development. Yeah, it's which might. It's might a be a limitation of the medium. Right, because I think this was a republish from, if I remember right, this is a republish from something else. Uh, so this this adaptation of The Phantom of the Opera was originally published in Scream number three. So yeah, I think it was it was originally written for another comic or collection oh, so and then they it, just yeah, the little along. side comics that kind of tell a story at the back or beginning of a comic it felt yeah, they used to do that in the 80s and 90s i don't think they do that as much anymore i'm not an avid comic book reader so i have no idea 
none of the lines and i read a couple horror lines do that anymore or do you read much john uh i used to comiXology made it really easy back in the day and then amazon bought them out and the two ceos decided to be dicks to each other and comiXology became a pain in the ass on the iphone so i don't use it so i don't really use it anymore yeah, I'm not a big fan of uh, comics on digital devices because it's it very rarely is a seamless reading experience. You kind of need the layout of the book to follow the narrative correctly. I really hate manga on phones. Oh god, manga must be insane, especially if it tries to read it like a comic book, and so you're reading backwards the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I have a hard enough time with that just being a honky. <laughs> By the way, John, do you want to plug your cool uh, Japanese podcast real quick? Oh, yeah. Um, Mike Palace of PodKiwi or GameKiwi uh, and I recently started something for the network called Maji Day. Um, where we know just, how to say it. Yep. Uh, my, where it's two guys, uh, one who's, been a, who's mainly a fan of Japanese pop culture and one who has actually been to Japan. Uh, Mike's actually uh, spent time over there and studied over there. And I think he taught English over there as part of the JET program. And so we talk about Japanese uh, pop culture and stuff like that. And so our, we started with Pokemon. We're going to do the Rurouni Kenshin movie that they just made a couple years ago uh, on Wednesday. And then I'm doing Godzilla. I'm covering Godzilla with uh, on the podcast after that. You're just doing Godzilla as a chunk or are you like doing just one movie? We did, yeah, we're doing, uh, we did Pokemon as a chunk and we're doing Godzilla as a chunk. And then if anybody's interested in more uh, specific things like watch this movie or this era of Godzilla or this generation of Pokemon, then uh, we're gonna, we'll, get in, we'll get into that later on if there's a, like fan demands for it. That sounds cool. So yeah, guys, check it out. It's on Gumby Cat Network. So once again, that's Gumby with an I-E. Um, so what do you guys think of the plot of this one overall? John, do you want to start? It's actually like the book. It's probably, you know, compared with all of the weird deviations we've been getting from the movies uh, the past couple of weeks, it's interesting to see a more faithful rendition of the story, even if it, it it's very truncated. Because this is, it was three stories, and only two of the chapters are dedicated to the Phantom. The third is this weird, like, witch vampire like horror story that doesn't really go anywhere but it felt it, like it only took half of the book we don't really get anything about Raul and Chrissy's backstory the angel of music actual the actual like she only they show they write her singing at one point in the first chapter but everything feels very truncated yeah they don't right, really it's oh go ahead they don't they don't really explain what her purpose at the opera house is, just that she sings, not that she's um, like a replacement for the the diva or has any aspirations to be the diva. So, yeah, I mean, the only thing that the reader would get from this is that Christine does something at the opera house because she's got her own room and she sings, but we don't know what or why. Yeah, it's. I think that kind of blurs the phantom's motivation a little bit too like why is he stalking this chick like what's up right and christine confesses that the, the phantom teaches her to sing like better but why if she doesn't want to do anything or go anywhere with that why is he bothering to teach her unless she like oh my god really likes to sing i don't remember <laughs> was the chandelier drop in this one no oh, there was that... no chandelier well, I mean, that makes it easier for the managers. They don't have to replace it. There was no mention of the managers. Yeah. There's no Manageri or Meg. A lot of the characters, there's not even, there's no brother. Yeah, there's no that uh, additional ballerina, La Cirilli, which I'm sure I'm butchering. Uh, so it, I feel like Madame... Valerius and the Persian, they get put in here, which is unusual, but at the cost of a lot of the people who came here from the musical, the people that they would probably know. Because if you haven't listened to our other pod podcasts, um, the Persian's in the book, but in the Andrew Lloyd Webber version, he becomes the uh, Madame Giri. Giri. Yep. 
So, well, what do y'all think of the depiction of the Persian in this one? I thought he was fine. They kind of play up the police detective again, but that is kind of what he was in Persia. Exactly. They mentioned that he was a, you know, that he was a servant of Eric at one point. And so, I mean, they, they, they kind of get the, the dynamic down, like, what, you know, why, who he is, why he's there. Oh, did they say he was a servant of Eric? Uh, well, yeah. kind of he, at the he, end. The yeah, he was Eric. Eric. When Eric is try having Christine pick between the scorpion and the grasshopper, the Persian drops a line of being a servant of "I am still your servant," something or like something like that. Yeah, so we got to get that like colonial bullshit in there, you know? Because exactly. he just can't be like his own autonomous person that's like strong because he's, you know, not a honky. I mean, it kind of, it also plays into some of those old silent movie tropes, like, you know, the Igor character that ends exactly. up causing trouble, but I mean, it, it's completely unnecessary. He could have just been like, I'm your friend and I want to see you doing well. It turns out, kid, half the time, racism is completely unnecessary. I know, right? It's like your characters can just be like black or Middle Eastern or Asian or whatever and just be people with normal people motivations. What? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a dirty weirdo, but try it. Try it sometime. Try it. <sighs> and Ellie knows a lot about this because she also has a podcast called Focus on Fantasy Romance that discusses fantasy romance novel writing and does interviews and all kinds of cool stuff. And I think she needs to send me some new episodes to upload. Anyways. I got one. Yeah. So if we were to take this Persian and uh, on a ranking of five, with five being the most Persian of Persians, one being that guy down the street that drinks his own urine, where is this Persian? I'd say a four. Four out of five Persians. Yeah. That's as close as we've gotten to book Persian since right. we've been like, covering adaptations points for even being in the adaptation so you know yeah you lose half a star in my opinion for making him eric's servant because and it's when we get to the susan k novel he is handled so much better mm -hmm. um so that's you know yeah it's good to see him so Madame Valerius, the bedridden mother figure of Christine. She hasn't shown up before, but with Five being the character in the book who's naive and a little superstitious and totally feeds into Christine's delusions, or one being some riotous flapper who likes to party, 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 where do we put her? I put her as generic cameo. Yeah, that's probably that's probably fair. Elle raised up five fingers. Is this a five fever, finger discount? No, she she earned, she earned points for knitting. <laughs> yeah, Ellie is an amazing knitter. Like she would be these dragon gloves that are no, badass. no. I wouldn't say amazing. I just purposely choose things that I will execute with style. That just means you're intelligent enough to know what your limits are. Well, that too. Now I've got that Strong Bad song from Homestar Runner. Everybody to the limit, to the limit, everybody stuck in my head. Because I'm old oh. and I watched that when it was new and relevant. So I think it's I back. Just get the, I just get the light switch right once. Homestar Runner has never really gone away. Yeah, Homestar Runner is like perpetually popular. Huh. But yeah, it, da, 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 da. so let's get into like meaty beef characters. The meaty, the meaty beef people, which I think describes yep. Eric's face in this one. Yeah. So, five being the most Eric of Eric's, our slightly psychopathic, completely obsessed stalker with a heart of gold, maybe? Question mark. And one being that good-looking guy who masturbates with rats. Where is this Eric? Um. This is definitely get points for showing the sunken in sort of horror look of it. They actually make him look disgusting and not a good look. Uh, I model with a couple with some weird schmutz on him. Schmutz. We get some schmutz. Some schmutz. So where do you what do you what's the rank there? I put him. Uh, I give him a good three and a half out of five. 
So what detracts? He doesn't actually kill anybody. Well, he doesn't actually kill anybody. All he really does is it's so much of the actual stuff he does to make him a, a you know a more interesting villain is cut out so that they could fit it into like four pages worth of story. So snapping somebody's wrist in the be- wrist in the beginning isn't horrible enough for you. You guys just you need the murder. Joseph Bouquet has to fucking die. Yeah, jo- Joseph didn't die. They allude to, like, when the Persian and Eric, or excuse me, the Persian and Royal go down the mirror for the first time, that passageway is supposedly filled with bodies. But that was really the only scary part of Eric's persona that they really yeah, they didn't really, alluded to. They yeah, didn't really cover kind of a, a lot of... Exactly. He just needs uh, to wash his face. That's what the Ninja Turtle ones taught us. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Hygiene. It's hygiene. So That's how he got the necrotic face disease that uh, it's killed all him. Just paint. I just I ate too much lead Maybe paint he, and then got sores no, and never cleaned them. What, he exfoliated too much. <laughs> I just love the way the microbeads feel. Give me more microbeads. No, your, your statement about the mirror, Ellie, like, okay, so here's a crossover. We haven't done a crazy crossover in a while. Tommy from The Who meets the Phantom of the Opera. Because you've already got the song, Go Through the Mirror Boy. So maybe in this version, Raul's the love of affection and, like, the Phantom's... I mean, it's it's obviously a deaf, dumb, and blind kid that sure plays a mean bit pinball. Yeah. <laughs> So do you think Tommy could be an adequate phantom? Like he wakes up to see his obsession with like hot little Raoul boy. I, the silence from this just tells me that you're both horrified and agog and have possibly never listened to Pete Townsend's awesome rock opera, Tommy. It's the who. It, I, I, I'm very well aware of Tommy. Yeah, doesn't it just, every time I hear music from it, I just want to like bust open a can of baked beans and roll in them. <laughs> Elle has said that she doesn't know what this is. That's fine. She doesn't know who the who are. I grew up in a Are you? Who 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 are you talking about? That's that's Elle right now. Yeah, that song sounds familiar, but he's a pinball yeah. wizard. It has to be a trick. The pinball. Yeah. This is now like this is telling people like way too much about how much I like shitty music. Like well the, the, the music isn't the problem. It's it's a uh, and Margaret it's, it's running a, around in baked beans. I think we already covered that with a giant yeah, nice pillow. Um, who was it about? Is it like uh, not Whitney Whitney Houston? Who uh, Tina Turner? Tina Turner. Show? Yeah, she's the gypsy queen, <laughs> the gypsy acid queen. So that's like our Carlotta in this. Like Carlotta is like an acid doing like crazy diva bitch. There you go. She's like woke as hell and wants to make everybody else woke as hell. And like she constantly torments Christine about using crystal magic and like uh, what are those uh, scenty bottles of shit? Uh, essential oils, essential oils and crystals. <laughs> Christine, if you would just use the essential oils and these crystals, all of your woes would go away and you'd be such a better singer. I am Tommy Wiseau. Hey, apparently, <laughs> Tommy Wiseau is the acid queen. Uh, and the Phantom of Phantom of the Pinball. Yeah, Phantom of the Pinball. That's the perfect title. Oh my god, Phantom. Yeah, it's, we got to do this. We're gonna we're gonna film this. I want I want John to play the Phantom. I Tommy can do the this. Phantom. Tommy the Phantom. You're gonna have to shave though. I I I. It'll give me a good excuse. So, what would his deformity be in that? Would it be like? Pot marks, kind of like you know, the pinballs have attacked him. It's like symbolic of his future conquest that he's going to become a pinball master. There you go. Yeah, it's like the thing that's made him excel is the thing that has marred him for life. And there'll be like this really disturbing scene where somebody like drinks liquor out of one of the pot marks. Ugh, ugh, this is like fucking like fine art here <laughs> compared this to is... Argento. Yeah, well, I mean. The shit I took this morning is fine art compared to Argento. Ugh, I say that and the Suspiria theme is a ringtone. Anyways, all right, so let's get back to something that's not going to make L cringe inwardly. Um, so we we covered the Eric in this one. He's really just kind of ugly, a little crazy, not as murdery as we would all like. Apparently, gotta, right? He's have- obsessive. 
but he's not murdery. Yeah, it's, we gotta. He has to be a solid gold, gold psychopath, or this does not work. <laughs> so our Raoul kind of uh, is he the usual like what the fuck, or is he a believable nice guy who's like has a good tie to Christine, and you see why they run off together? Uh, I don't. I can't relate to this guy. He is just. He's he, a, he's, he's a, he is like he's Christine a cardboard with a title. Yeah. He's like Christine usually is. He is an object within the story. Yeah, I felt he was kind of like pushy a little bit, but that's about it. Yeah. Like, there's a couple of his dialogues where I'd have like, this is where I would have slapped him. <laughs> been like, I'm gonna, I'll take care of it myself. It's okay. It's, no, it's okay. Most people don't travel to Siberia from Paris. I'll be all right. <laughs> Just have to learn Russian along the way. Fuck off, Raul. <laughs> Uh, is that is that how far you have to go to get rid of Eric Siberia? Apparently, he he probably he's he's probably like part hound dog. He get tracked. That's why his nose is gone, and so he can smell extra well. Shut up! That works in my brain. <laughs> works in my my brain meats. So, our Christine, uh, yeah, our Christine, our Christine, one being a lamp. Five being the one from the 43 who's like a nice but sweet person who has a good sense of humor can take things off on the shoulder and you understand why she's likable. Uh, yeah, this is kind of three out of five but halfway mark where she's not wholly an object. But she's not like really a, a well-developed character either. Like she's about the same as Raul in terms of, you know, just existing as part of the story. Only she actually gets something to do. Yeah, she you gets know. a job. I don't, I don't, does Raul even have a job? Is there? Is he just like rich guy with a horse? Yeah, pretty much. Your part is a rich guy with a horse. Do you do you have an well, argument? He's got a title. Me? That's all he needs. Yeah, I'm Viscount. Yeah. Personality uh, when you got money. I got, I'm Vicomp to ice. I got lots of ice. You want some ice, baby? I heard girls love ice. Very me uncomfortable. Just because you can't handle all my ice. <laughs> I, I don't know how- Maybe it all melted. Maybe that's why the first page emphasizes how wet everything is. That's it, all the, all the phantoms ice. Like he took it literally. He's like, it's not diamonds, it's- like you know it's melting blocks of ice up in here and then when he heard the marilyn monroe song longer then he heard the marilyn monroe song like diamonds are a girl's best friend he's like well that's obviously bullshit they want like you know fucking cold blocks of ice she wants to like get her pussy real cold so i can get it real hot (laughs) (laughs) that is that isn't how sex works for you guys why are you laughing no. I really wish you would chime in here, Elle, because you successfully had sex at least twice. You can prove it. <laughs> Only because I have two kids. Yeah, exactly. They look a lot like you. Did not involve ice. You didn't just steal them out of, uh, you know, any old uh, hospital. You at least hunted down two that look like you. No, one looks like me, one looks like Ray. Yeah, Ray being your husband and not the guy she stole the baby from. Elle does not steal babies. Please do not bother Elle about the stolen baby ring in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She is not the head of it. (laughs) Meanwhile, John does not have a Russian prostitute ring. Do not bug John about the Russian prostitute ring. Exactly, unless you're willing to pay. So let's, let's talk about two characters that... I think have only been in the book and the silent version. Um, so I feel like they need to get addressed in this. Do you know who I'm talking about? Are, are two like important characters? The grasshopper and the scorpion. Yeah. They're here. They're little brass guys in a casket. Which yeah. I always felt like I didn't realize they were characters. Because when I read that book in like the fourth grade, which I think was around 10, I was like, so he made like a dead person casket to stick these two things in because he's just that fucked up. And then I later realized that that's an alternative word for like a basket or a wooden box that holds things that isn't necessarily for burial. 
I was a little disappointed. So I was like, he's like, really, like, if you look at book Eric, he is like the gothest motherfucker that ever existed. Like, he, like, is the great, 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 great grandfather of goth. <laughs> he even, like, has an excuse yeah. to wear a black mask and act moody. Unlike real goths who... I don't know. You, you do enough meth and maybe you do have an excuse to wear a black mask and act moody. Yeah. yeah. A lot of meth. I'm not, I'm not speaking from experience at goth clubs. I don't, I don't know what drugs they do. <laughs> I've never been to one. I'm, I'm a nice kid. Take drugs are bad. Is. Drugs are bad. I hate Smoke people too much to be. What hell? Oh, I hate people too much to go to goth clubs. Which is like the gothest thing you can people. say. It's the gothest thing you can say. All that pink you're wearing and behind you, that's because you're just trying to throw people off the scent, isn't it? Are, are sure. you Christine and Eric's like great, great, great grandchild? Is that what this is? Is that, is that? Uh, I might, could be. I, I do have um, French, French ancestry. There you go. That explains the pale skin and brown hair. John, I don't know and what the, the fuck that you are. I suspect like, um, I'm, I'm a mix of Slav. I'm a lot of German and Slavic. So you're really good at rolling your. I'm glad you finished that. So you're really. Yeah, and you're really good at sounding like you're hacking things up. <laughs> yeah, that's. Maybe you got some Jewish in there too. That's, I've heard that. Yeah. When my hair is not washed, it froze out. Not froze well, up, but it curls up. Spit in a jar and find out. That's what I did. Turned on a little Jewish. Not enough to count for anything. And it's, it turned out my husband was a little African, and that's what I blamed his hair on. Because, jeez. Jeez. It's blonde. Can he scrub right. pots with it? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blonde Brillo pad. It's really sad. So, Scorpion and the Grasshopper. I feel like we should explain that a little bit because we mentioned it they're in a box or a casket and it's supposed to be christine flips one to blow the opera house up it's like tied to a detonator she flips another <clears throat> to save everyone because there's a performance going on at the same time right right so i watched the 25 version with my tattoo artist that did my sleeve and when she got to the part in the 25 version like it pans to Christine thinking and then it pans to Eric kind of like freaking out and like Christine looks over at him and I love my tattoo artist because she's like I blow them all the fuck up just for that stupid look <laughs> do you what would you guys have done would you have like just been like boom or um I I kind I think I'm kind of with Christine in that Okay, I'll let everybody live for now. I can always kill this guy later. Well, Christine's thought process was, I will accept this guy's proposal, save those people, and just kill myself later. Yeah. Yeah. Christine, I, Christine ain't fighting. But yeah, so what's your, your version, John, is that like, you'll uh, seduce him into the marriage bed and then stab him with the cooking knife or something? Or like, or like, or like, say, hey, how about a deep tissue massage and just be like, eh. Yeah, I, I think you're maybe under, I don't know, maybe Christine was strong. I know opera singers have really strong chests because of singing, but. At, at least do like the, hey, isn't that good? And that good, and just lean real, put all her weight into like a people's elbow drop into his back, into his so, spine. So we're gonna make this the paraplegic of the opera, okay? Exactly. I mean, that's another version. Hard I don't know how he's gonna get around the catacombs. Wheelchair. <laughs> you hear that horrible slinking sound? It's the opera goes. Yeah. So what about what, what about you, L? What would what would you? It's grasshopper or the scorpion, and how would you play this out? I would have made the same choice as Christine. And just been a good. Yeah, I couldn't have. Yeah, I couldn't have all those people on my conscience. I, yeah, I couldn't do it either. I, I couldn't blow up all those people, and I'd probably just go along with it and see what happened. But I, I personally don't see think I have been in love with Raul. I don't know. I mean, like all he's got going for him is money. Yeah, right. and apparently a sweet ass mustache. 
In the book. Not in this one. In the book, he is no, a sweet ass. In the book, he's, you know, like, freaking, like, mad Magnum P.I., but blonde, I like to think. He's, Christine really just wants a mustache ride and Eric shaves. <laughs> it's, that's, that's the unfortunate part of this, is that Eric just chose to shave that day, and, you know, maybe you could have hid a little bit of your, like, nasty nose hole behind some, like, whiskers. I don't know. Does it work that way? Can you can you comb a mustache up like a you know nose toupee that covers up like your nose hole instead of the bald spot? Uh, if you put in enough, if you grow, if it grows out enough to like where you can do the handlebar stuff, like you can probably do it to fill you know to cover your nostrils. I mean, I think that would just yeah. There's mustache wax. Yeah, there is. There is like a little hairspray that you'd be set. People be like, sir, have you been in a brisk wind? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, and like, okay, so nose hair, those have to stop at some point. Do you think they stop around the bone there? Or could he still get like unfortunate old man nose hair? Like, is there some version of the Phantom of the Opera where they get so long he just braids them and has this like sweet nose hair braid coming out of the hole? He's got pigtails coming out of his ears. What, John? He's got pigtails coming out of his ears. Oh, yeah, there you go. That, that would since, be like... Especially since he had a nose. Oh, that would be my quitting point. It'd be like, cut that off or GTFO. <laughs> oh. So do you think, like, this story would play different, like, in modern times? Like, do you think Christine would feel guilty from, like, a social justice perspective and feel obligated to uh like at least go on a date with him to be nice or is he still just too much of a stalker john what yeah i I feel like if he had just asked you know like dude i would have given you a first date if you didn't kidnap me yeah see i don't know l what's your perspective here is he just still like too much a creepster well well, women back then were really taught to be forgiving, be forgiving, be accepting, be a doormat, don't fight back, take whatever a man will give you. Type oh, of and thing. you're supposed so, to look beyond and see the diamond in the rough when it's there. Right. So if, she, if Christine were raised in a modern setting, you know, and actually allowed to have self-worth, I don't think that she would have put up with a lot of Eric's crap to begin with, so she wouldn't have gotten to the point where she was given a scorpion or a grasshopper for a choice. Um, if everything was equal and Eric was like a decent person and asked for a date, Christine may have given the benefit of the doubt, but like, yeah, if he was posing as this angel behind a mirror and then she figured out, hey, this is a real person, uh, fuck no. Yeah, I don't think it would have gone yeah. that far. I mean, like, and it would be hard. I, I think in modern days, she'd have to be, like, part of a really Catholic community or one of those evangelical sects that really isolates it to themselves or maybe, like, Hasidic Jew to be that naive. Right. Because, you know, it's, this is the information age. Everything you need to know is online to get something. She wouldn't be in an opera house. Because no, it's less of a stigma working in theater now for women, but yeah. But no, I yeah, the like... first thing she would do is Google his ass. Like, oh, Eric, whatever his last name is, Google. Yeah, and let's face it, he's probably done this before. Probably, people don't just like wake up one day and go, I'm gonna stalk a bitch. Or I guess they do for the first one, maybe. I don't know. And it's never stalking to them, they're always. Well, she really loves me. She just has to see. And I say this right, from it's, somebody. It's learned behavior. Yeah. See, I, I could see, like, if he was, like, a grad student and I was, like, an undergrad or, like, he was a professor and I was, like, a grad student being, like, well, maybe people just don't understand him and going out on a date. But I'm also, like, hinky about those kinds of, like, professional and age differences because i've seen that play out with professors and students before and there's always this like element of taking advantage and that's something that's 
downplayed in a lot of the versions is he does have to be significantly older than Christine. He's at least able to be her father. Right. You don't go and have like a career in Persia and one in like it hints at India and Russia and then time as a, a house designer and then help with the Paris Opera House, which took nearly 20 years to build and not be in your like 50s at least. I don't know about you guys, but, right, at, 18, but was, at 18, I didn't want a 50 year old. That was more socially acceptable. It was and it wasn't. Like, that's still a pretty big age gap for the Victorian era. Like, 30s would have been a little bit more acceptable. 40s would have been kind of pushing it. But, like, you, you still don't. I mean, like, dude, I'm only 36 and I don't have a lot in common with 18 year olds. I'm 28 and I barely have anything, and I don't have anything in common with 18 year olds, really. And I mean, she would be more mature than like the average 18 year old today, but it's still like, it's very obvious from the book and most of the media adaptations, except for the Argento one. She's pretty, she's pretty isolated, pretty naive. Exactly. Yeah. How would you handle this in a modern setting, Elle? Have you ever thought about that for a book? <clears throat> no, I haven't thought about it for a book, actually. Well, no. I thought about it in a sci-fi setting where the Phantom is actually an alien. So in his race, he's freaking hot. But according to, you know, the, the human aspect, they're ugly. But that's because they're different races. Um, I do wonder, though, if Eric was born in a modern time, if he would have been born that way because they may have been able to prevent it before he was born or if he would have had plastic surgery to correct any of his deformities. Yeah, I can add two things to that. One is in the book, they do describe his birth as breach, which if you use forceps or something like that, it's very easy to accidentally pull off a body part. Um, it's uh, that actually uh, William the, I want to say fourth, that was the king of Prussia that we were fighting against in World War One. He actually had a deformed arm that was significantly shorter than his other arm because of a uh, forcep accident during his birth. It almost amputated his arm and uh, deformed the growth plate. So he uh, had pockets put higher in his coat so that people would notice. He just always kept his hand in a pocket. Hmm. Um, so there's an example of that. The other thought I've had is like, there is reconstructive surgery for if you lose a nose now like there was one of the guys that got trapped on um the himalayan mountain that's real big what is that what is that the, the biggest mountain in the world um everest yeah there was a guy that got stuck on everest and his nose was you lose your nose your toes and your fingers really fast to frostbite and so it, it took his nose and they actually like grew one under his skin on his forehead and then just slowly moved it down. And it's, you can tell something's off, but it's still very impressive. So I think it's safe to say wow. modern times, Eric would probably have a nose. He just might not look great. You know, it's, but he wouldn't look like a walking corpse. Yeah. You can, you can tell when people have had a lot of plastic surgery. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's an idea. They Eric literally look plastic. Being born ugly is a guy who goes through all those like various plastic sur surgeries, like uh, that episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force where uh, she keeps going down to Guatemala for surgery. Yeah. <laughs> He's a plastic surgery addict. Exactly. It's like, Christine, you. Well, that is the thing, like multiple plastic surgeries do any kind of surgery that you have multiple times, especially if they're corrective, it does have an influence on your psyche. So like if, if somebody really wants to capture an innovative contemporary version of this, here's some food for thought. Oh, writing prompt, writing prompt alert. <laughs> Take Anyways. a shot every time we make a writing prompt. Hashtag, hashtag writing prompt. When we live do this, you guys can just write me microfiction and we'll start a book collection. It'll be great. We should do that. We should do a Phantom of the Podcast, like horrible writing prompt collection where like, 
Yeah, that'd be great. Like people take the horrible ideas we have and <laughs> it's Do all it parody. Now. Do it for now, Rymo. It's for yeah. Oh man. I don't, I'd have to go back and listen to, to get my one, but like, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should organize it. <laughs> Actually, if we give you an idea, you have uh, published a version of the Phantom of the Opera, however true it is, we would love to read and review it. We can do an interview. So contact us at, the easiest one for me is art, I swear at gmail.com. But I think phantom of the podcast at gmail.com is also our email. I started a new job and my brain has been, it's an antique antiquities and oddity store. And we also do museum quality antiques. So I've been trying to get all of their stuff online and my brain's mush. My brain is mushy. Yeah, mush. concertinas. I know he sold his concertinas because they weren't selling. He just the like say, sold them to a music dealer. But yeah, it's Las Vegas oddities. I do the social media if you guys want to follow. Uh, if you show up in the store and say Phantom of the Podcast and I'm there, I'll try to hook you up with a discount. You can sometimes coerce the owner into such things. Um, yeah, he needs to get some cool Phantom of the Opera items so that I can buy them and never have a paycheck. <laughs> you already found That's out I collect spirit. Hellraiser stuff and he's like, oh, hey, I've got a bunch of the comics and I'm like, just bring them in. Uh -huh. <laughs> Uh, uh, god dang it i need to i also yeah i'm not going to go into a long diatribe about phantom of the opera related toy lines but if you know about any feel free to email me about those too did someone make phantom toys you know our favorite john won't know who this is but ellen i's favorite smutty writer uh renee mason that's r-e-n-e-a <laughs> um yeah. sent me this um oh, that reaction figure of the lon cheney phantom of the opera it's on my wall next to me here uh right next to my daddy bear from voltaire and my hot wheels uh mondrian car so you, you can tell all my interests in on wall pretty much there's just no help all the hell yeah, well, stuff's in the living room you. where it should be i don't have a, I don't have a camera on this guy either i don't <laughs> it's i'm just i'm wearing my really ugly cat shirt that's all you're missing covered in my these... pajamas god like a lady like a lady all right i feel like we've kind of fizzled out on this one is there anything you guys would like to talk about or promote before we sign out no that would be a giant note just keep checking out our, our stuff on gumby cat uh we locked tragic missile this weekend yeah, Tragic Missile. Tell them about that. Um, Tragic Missile has been... We've been recording since March, and I finally got the episodes ready to uh, ready for air. Uh, basically, it's me, uh, Jim Henson, who does uh, Art I Swear with Vanessa, as well as uh, Andrew Jarowski from the um, Protagonist Podcast and Disney Animation Minute Essentials, and a couple of people we found through uh, the Still Buffering and uh, Taz groups where we get together, I'm the DM, and we're going through the starter mission, uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver on D&D, &D, and we've got a um, wizard who is also an accountant who works with like a, uh, like a government agency that manages misuse of magic. Oh god. Um, we've got a pompous rich boy bard who is, you know, who, so he's like the, he's like some, you know, yuppie from an 80s movie, but he's a, the son of a long lineage of bards. Um, his best friend, who is a, uh, you know, who is a warlock, and pretty much the only reason that guy hasn't gotten himself killed. Uh, we've got, you know, the standard dwarf warrior. We've got a gnome barbarian. Nice. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Jim's character. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Ebonheart Nightbringer. Who we started with a Scottish accent, uh, which that wasn't, I don't know what that was, but um, after a near death has suddenly turned into Russian. And he's a half tiefling, half drow. Oh my God. <laughs> it is amazing. And this is truly a tragic missile. Exactly. It is just, uh, and it's a bunch of newcomers mostly. 
So, I mean, like, cool. aside from uh, Jim and I think Trista, who plays our warlock, everyone else is pretty new to Dungeons & Dragons. It reminds me of the time I had a severely depressed cleric. <laughs> yeah, that was with you, L. I mean, that was like, me. super depressed cleric. Like, hey, guys, I'm going to, like, pray over this body for a minute. Dear God. <laughs> Listen to this corpse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to fight or something? Yeah, I guess. Anyways. Guess Sounds awesome. Out. It's all available on Gummy Cat Networks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we got a bunch of other fun things. We have a Buffy fan podcast. And uh, Jim's other podcast is Random Podcast Generator or yeah, RPG. RPG. He did a really cute one recently where he and his daughter... Uh, who's like, I think she's eight or nine. They, for the first time, watched The Next Generation, uh, the Star Trek series, and got her impressions. And she's really smart. And um, if you like horror and spooky or like true crime, check out The Nightmare Zone with Charlie and Liz. And when Charlie gets scared, it's adorable. So I'm just saying. All right, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. Everybody have a great day. And if you're stalking women, don't pretend to be the angel of music. Just come out and ask her on a date. If she Seriously. says no, go the fuck away. It's 2017, dude. Come 2017. On. If the woman says no, it means no. Go the fuck away. Seriously. All right. Peace. <laughs>